track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's slammed in forward. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, throw me the big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left for a line. Way back and gone! Touch the ball, Drew! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Welcome to Duty War Wrestling Club Replacement, where we honor all of the great legends, all the great superstars uh, via the theme music and beyond here. Of course, this is a simulcast podcast, meaning it airs in audio format on any podcast application and also video on YouTube on our Wrestling Connection video YouTube channel. So, so subscribe, share it, like it, love it, and do all that. Marcus, my friend, how are you? Good, man. I'm ready to rumble. How are you doing? I am very ready to rumble. Very excited to talk about the show tonight and continue through this season, which after tonight will almost be over. And you may say nope. seasons. What's that? Well, here on this show, we are reviewing and breaking down every Dodi pay-per-view event ever in a seasonal format. That means we start with a pay-per-view following WrestleMania and end with WrestleMania the following calendar year. So for this season, we started SummerSlam 1990. We wrap up with WrestleMania 7. We do that on and on in perpetuity, it seems like. Uh, but we pick our seasons at random. And generally, we do two pay-per-view events per episode of the show. Uh, but this season, because of um, how short the season is and just how much we really wanted to put the time and focus on these, because it's such nostalgic shows with so much going on, we decided to just do one pay-per-view per episode uh, for this season. So that's what we're doing here tonight. We're just covering Royal Mall 1991. Now, on this series, what we're doing is we're looking at everything at a plus-minus system above and below replacement level. So replacement level is the most average match, average reaction, average build, the most basic baseline wrestling stuff. 
Anything that's better than that, we give a plus. Anything worse than that, we give a minus. And we net all that out. We then grade every match. We take my grade. We take Marcus's grade. We do a plus minus from a baseline grade on that. Mix it all up in a bowl. And we spit out our total war score. Uh, and then rank every pay-per-view against each other uh, based on those scores. And uh, we do it in a series of categories, Marcus. So what are those categories that we break down these shows in? We start off with build, then commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, our match grades, the card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. And for an all, for a match to be an all-timer in the plus category, it is something we both agree is 4.25 and above. And for it to be a minus, it is something we both agree is 0.75 and below. All right, so let's dive in on January 19th, 1991 from the Miami Arena in Miami, Florida. 16,000 in attendance. Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Roddy Piper back in the booth. Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys defeats Sam Houston in the dark match. I don't know where they dug Sam Houston up from. Michael uh, Sam Houston. He was back. Uh, and he loses in five minutes to Jerry Sags, who's not in the Rumble, but his partner is. We'll talk about that. That um, stage hand. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sam Houston. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Then we're going to head into the show itself. We start with a pretty iconic WF pay-per-view opener as the Rockers take on the new Orient Express of Kato and Tanaka. That goes 19 minutes. Uh, it's a great match. It holds up really, really well. The finish is fantastic. Um, it's, it's a, again, a classic finish. And it's a really, really good opener. For a long time, it was arguably the best opener in WF pay-per-view history, I would say, until 1994, probably. Um, and then for a long time, it was probably, until the more modern work rate era, I'd say it was probably a top fiver for quite a while. Um, so I had it at four stars. Uh, the Rockers pick up a big, clean win. To uh, set up what's crazy enough, I know it's their breakup year, but it's kind of low-key their best year as uh, in-ring performers, I think. At least yeah, on big of, shows. It kind of feels like they are being well-positioned to be the next tag team. Um, yeah. You figure the Hearts are going to lose the titles uh, to Power and Glory, uh, just based off what we've seen this season. Um, so it seems like the Rockers are set up to take over. Um, and then you've also got a factor in the Legion of Doom, um so we still got an interesting tag team scene it's definitely uh trended down i think from earlier seasons um in uh, the the mid 80s but um good stuff here i went for the match is absolutely incredible um and um yeah it, it rocks pretty hard um another match that rocks is uh one of my favorite matches of the evening it is the big boss man taking on the barbarian um this has dudes rock written all over it. I went with a, a four of 3.75. I thought it was absolutely incredible. They keep an incredible pace considering you've got two mm-hmm. guys. I know boss man slimmed down, but he's still got to be close to 300 pounds. Yeah. Um, Barbarian is still uh, all juiced up. He's looking good. Jimmy, you're looking good. Uh, Barbarian <laughs> looks great here. <laughs> um, but yeah, for two guys that are 300 pounds and, you know, over six, four, this is an incredible pace. It's one of the best uh, big boy matches, I think, um, in company history. Um, it's I think it's really good. So 3.75 for me. Yeah, I went three and a quarter. Uh, it still really holds up. I was a little disappointed this time around. I'll be a little bit honest. I always held it more like a three and a half probably in my mind, but still really, really good. Better than you would have ever expected going into this. Um, it seems like a random match on paper, but it's a big part of the boss man Bobby Heenan fe- family feud. He pinned Haku at Survivor Series. Now he's going to go through Barbarian, and he's trying to march his way to Mr. Perfect, right? 
So here he gets a clean win on Barb as he goes through the Heenan family. Uh, Barbarian brought his working boots. He's in the middle of his best stretch easily uh, that started a Survivor Series and continuously leaves, um, you know, a little bit later in, in 91. Um, so, I mean, we're off to a very good start on the show in ring uh, for sure. Up next, we have our Dirty F World title match. Is Sergeant Slaughter upsets the Ultimate Warrior to win the world title mm. and end his reign uh, with a thud. Um, I win three stars. The match itself is is fine, but what's big about it is the heat, um, Savage, and then the finish is like such a shocking moment. I think carries it. Uh, Warrior, I thought was pretty good in the beginning of the match. He really works his ass off early on. And it looks like it's going to be a squash. I mean, he just destroys mm-hmm. it for like a few minutes until they they even things out. The Savage interference is pretty memorable. Uh, of course, it played off. We'll, we'll talk about it later, but uh, it played off the, the big Sherry interview earlier in the night where Warrior refused to give Savage a title match. So Savage says, oh, Sarge promised me that title match. So guess what, Warrior? Sorry, here's a scepter inside the dome. Um, so Sarge takes the belt. I, in a, probably one of the biggest upsets of that era, uh, I would say. Uh, you think we're marching toward Hogan Warrior 2 at Mania. Now, suddenly, Sergeant Slaughter is your world champion uh, and prepped to a Mania main event out of nowhere. We talked about him last episode a little bit, just how crazy it seemed that he'd be in this position based on what we had seen to that point. But I will say, I think his character developed quite a bit leading into the show. Uh, I think Adnan and really leaning in on the Saddam Hussein stuff and all that like really helped him. Um, I think he found his footing as a promo. He does some really good promos during this time period. So uh, I, I think this two-month stretch leading up to the Rumble. Um, for him, they don't really have a lot of interaction, him and Warrior. I don't think there's any. Uh, but him as a character really develops a lot of his big main beats leading up to this. Yeah, three for me. I really enjoy the front end of this match, too, with Warrior just, like, absolutely power surgeon uh, through his offense. Looks like he's going to steamroll Sarge. Yep. I get Sherry comes out, and, and she takes a bump. It's just – it's insane. Um, it's so well-structured. They keep up the, the intensity – incredible pace and then uh slows down with sarge taking over you got savage getting his spots in um it's just it's really well laid out and it has a lot of moving pieces and they really nail it um before you know matches really had a whole lot of moving pieces like this so uh three for me i think it holds up pretty good uh we level off pretty hard uh as we have the mountie making his uh singles pay-per-view debut taking on coco beware uh i went with the one um this match is mostly just all about the mountie like displaying his offense getting a character over piper's working really hard on commentary trying to get over the uh royal mounted police um and all their control tactics um but it's especially with like kind of the deflation that's happening in the crowd from the title change um this was not the way to follow it up. It was pretty rough. It's not rough. Another goat theme yeah. of the era. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, this match, this was unadvertised. Uh, that I remember. It was definitely just kind of uh, out of nowhere that they threw this out. But yeah, it is Mounty's reintroduction. He had been doing his vignettes leading up to this. Um, he had been off TV for about a year. I think their last Rougeau's match is Rumble 90. Uh, so I think they just had him on ice while they were kind of working through the character. Uh, they bring him back here. You know, he's good as a character. He's memorable. So a lot of memorable stuff. Um, but even with that said, 
uh, I think we'll see a lot of diminishing returns in ring from him. Uh, and it starts with this match. This is very, very boring. He's doing all those stupid control techniques that they really try and put over as a law enforcement officer, right? So he's doing a lot of uh, nerve holds and choke holds and different stuff like that. It's, it's pretty boring. It definitely kills what had been a pretty hot show to this point. Um, and I mean, they don't really keep it short either. It was nine minutes for what's essentially a squash show. It's it's a lot of sleepy Joe in here. Um, I went one and a half, which I guess again feels kind of high. Um, and I it guess at least cut. it's cut from the VHS release, right? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, this is actually an infamous, um, I guess, IWC thing too, because Scott Keith in his review of the show uh, had this listed as the Mountie versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, instead of Coco Beware, and it drove me nuts for years. And I'm like, why? I'm like, did he have a different version? Did they put that like a random match in on that? Am I remembering it wrong? I'm like, I know it was Coco, he's her alive. Um, so when we had him on Place to Be podcast and interviewed him, I asked him about it. <laughs> I was like, can you please tell me? And I guess he said, like you just said on the home video, it was cut. And I guess his roommate or someone told him, oh, yeah, it was Brooklyn Brawler, and he just put it. I don't know why I didn't look it up. He just put it. Um, but it drove me nuts for years why he had Brooklyn Brawler listed instead of uh, Coco Beware. Um, so anyway, just a squash. Uh, and speaking of squashes, our next match isn't far from it. As the Rhodes family, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes, take on Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Um, this is playing off the few that kicked off at SummerSlam where DiBiase bought Sapphire. Cost Rhodes his match with Savage. Then they had the thing on Saturday's main event where DiBiase kicks the shit out of Dustin. Um, he, you know, brings Undertaker in a Survivor Series. Uh, but the build to this match from the Rhodes side sideline is is almost non-existent. It's all DiBiase and Virgil. So they reignite the old skits that he did when he first came in, where he's having Virgil service him in different ways and. Um, you know, he's rubbing his toes and, you know, whatever. And all along the way, he's like, remember your, the secret, right? You know, you need this money or whatever. Um, and every time D- Virgil would capitulate and kind of give in. And throughout all this, Roddy Piper is, is hyping him up on TV that he just needs to stand up and be a man. Um, so as part of this match, the, the, the Rose piece is almost a forgotten conclusion. It's like foregone conclusion. They're forgotten immediately. He rolls up Dusty, the Roses leave, and they head to WCW from this match. Uh, so they're long gone. Um, they do nothing in the match. They're pretty much squashed. Uh, Dusty's career ends with a real thud in the WF here. Like the whole back end is a mess. And here he's essentially like a Pedro Morales 1987 level job to the stars. Um, so, but the post match is the big moment, right? Virgil, mm-hmm. uh, DiBiase wants Virgil to hand him the million dollar title. Uh, and he's demanding and berating him. Remember your mother uh, and all this stuff. Virgil drops to a knee. Piper is about to give up hope. And then Virgil gets up with the belt, smashes DiBiase to a massive pop. It's uh, one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. I don't know why it's not mentioned as such, but yeah, this, this mean, deserves to be in the conversation. It's a moment that was four years or three and a half years in the build. I mean, whatever, like since mid 87 when DiBiase and Virgil showed up uh, and he's been treating them like shit ever since. Like this was, you know, built since that moment and they finally do it. And Piper loses it on commentary. Um, so it, it's a really iconic moment and it really it saves this undercard. And I don't mean that because it sucked overall. I just mean it, it downward spirals so badly after such a good start that we at least end in a good place. You know, so we had a great opener. We had a solid boss man barbarian. We had Sherry in the fellatio. We had a world title change <laughs> and then we hit the skids with that Mountie and the road stuff. But the end, then we end on a really high note with Virgil. So I went two and a quarter for the match. The match again is, is very forgettable. Um, DiBiase ends it 
emphatically by pinning Dusty, and they they vanish into the night. Um, I think they're on WCW TV within weeks. I'm pretty sure by February they're there. So they're Dusty's a booker like immediately and, and a commentator, and then Dustin's wrestling on TV. So, um, and within a year, Dustin is like a high profile guy. So I don't know. It's interesting, right? He was never going to not go with Dusty, but. I don't know. It's interesting what his potential ceiling could have been if he didn't leave because they could have used a guy like him in the mid card, I think, throughout 91. Yeah. And as, um, you know, if we ever do WCW War, I think you see pretty quickly in um, 91, like Dustin, um, like he is pushed. He's daddy's boy. He's getting the, the push, but like he made the most of it. He made it count. Um, you could tell there was a reason he was getting pushed other than just his last name. Um, he lives up to his moniker, The Natural. Yep. WCW. So, um, and then there's the rumors that like um, Bruce and and even Vince wanted to bring him back in '93 to feud with Hogan. Um, and Hogan hit the you know doesn't work for me, brother. Um, but they 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 seem to definitely always like Dustin. Yeah. Uh, despite him maybe not having the the build that they'd like, but um, you know we're getting ready to get to an era where guys are going to be um, downsizing a little bit. Um, right. You definitely like to have uh, a big dude like Dustin on your roster. Um, and yeah, uh, the Virgil stuff, we talked about it, it all time, great stuff. Um, and we're really, uh, really humming as we get to, uh, the main event, which is the annual Royal Rumble match. Um, still does not have anything at stake other than, uh, just bragging rights of being the winner. And for back to back years, Hulk Hogan is going to win the Royal Rumble. Last eliminating the earthquake, <laughs> I went with a 3.75. Um, still probably one of the better rumbles we've covered so far. I just think we've had a bad, bad, <laughs> bad draw. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but, we haven't uh, really hit any too many iconic rumbles. We we haven't, oh, two, and, I guess, is probably the best. I think, yeah. Um, and like you talked about, uh, last episode with this rumble, it's just. There's not a lot of stories. There's not a lot of stuff happening in the match. Really, the only like thread throughout the match is, you know, is Savage going to show up? There's a rumor he left. There's a missing number. Somebody doesn't come out. We find out it's Savage at the end. And, Listen you know. to these times, Marcus. Okay, this is how many guys last over 15 minutes, which to me is a long time in a rumble. Like you don't usually get this many guys at 15 plus. Um, and I will say, I, I've about had it talking about this rumble. When Aaron George and I used to do now into the rumble, this was one I felt like we yeah. were watching forever. Um, and all these guys are in so long. Uh, and this used to be a rumble I liked from a nostalgia point of view. Again, it's the first pay-per-view I ever watched live. Um, so I, this this one like resonated with me. Like it's, you know, get some cool guys from the era that I enjoy. Um, it's got a few moments in there, but this is how many dudes are in longer than 15 minutes, okay? Mr. Perfect, 16 minutes. Count for me, all right? Mr. Perfect, 16 minutes. Crush, 18 and a half minutes. Smash, 18 and a half minutes. Bret Hart, 20 minutes. Hulk Hogan, 21 minutes. Earthquake, 24, uh, almost 25 minutes. Texas Tornado, 24 and a half minutes. Shane Douglas, 26 minutes. Tito Santana, 30 minutes. The British Bulldog and his pay-per-view return, 36 minutes. Hercules, Hercules, 37 minutes. Break the Hammer Valentine, 44 minutes. And, of course, iconically enough, Rick Martel at 52 minutes. That brings I mean, us to lucky number 13. That's almost 13 half the field. guys in this match go longer than 15 minutes. And some of them had no right to do so. Smash and crush, no need to be in that long. Poor uh, Hercules, Hercules, no need to be in that long. So Shane bloated. Douglas, no need to be in that long. Tito Santana, no need to be in that long. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, and they don't do anything 
you know, they don't do anything. Like, all right, Crush and Smash, no eliminations. Brett, no eliminations. But he, I mean, he's the pace setter. Tornado, no eliminations. Shin Douglas, no eliminations. Tito, no eliminations. Valentine and Hercules, one each. Valentine eliminates one guy in 44 minutes. Hercules eliminates one guy in 37 minutes. Like, you know, it, it's absurd. It, it's it's such a weirdly booked rumble. There's no super memorable moments either that really stick out, right? Like, I would say the closest are um, LOD eliminating The Undertaker, probably, uh, after Undertaker ran through a few guys. Luke being eliminated in four seconds by earthquake. And then I guess the finish, like, like I mean, and Martel, obviously Martel, he's the, the guy, he's the MVP of the rumble easily. But um, I would say, you know, besides that, like what else is there? There's no other big spots. Or like you said, there's not a lot of heavy feuds, savage, no shows. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I went three, seven, five as well, uh, which for my rumble grades, that puts it probably about average. Uh, anything below four to me is like a average to sub average rumble. Uh, I started a four on all rumbles, so um, disappointing for sure. And, and just not one like I mean, it's the rumble, so you'll watch any rumble at any time, but it's one of the more boring ones, really. What, what saves it is it's colorful and there's a lot of good characters, but a lot of those characters are just in it for so long and eat up so much boring time. Yeah, and it's one of those rumbles. I like this rumble, but um, like one of my favorite meals is beef stew, and it just feels like the salt's missing. Like right. there's no yeah. flavor to this at all. Yeah, it's like the time my grandmother, in her advanced age, where her cooking skills deteriorated, made lentil soup with no salt, and it was the most bland tasting fucking thing of all time. <laughs> um, so yeah, like this stuff to like look. You want to doze off tonight? You want to put it on and yeah. fall asleep listening to Gorilla Monsoon? Um, you know, it's fine. But if you want to hear Roddy Piper make screaming. racist comments about Saba Simba, go for it. Hey, that's Tony Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our categories. Uh, as we Oh, so that's a 2.75 overall for match grades, total match grades. So pretty good, about average. I would say average in, in ring quality. The Tito, I mean the uh, Brooklyn Brawl, Brawler Mountie match uh, and the Dusty Rose match really kind of end the Rumble kind of drag it out a bit. Oh, the Rumble did okay, but the other two drag it down. All right, let's get to our categories. For build, we gave a uh, a point for the legendary poster and graphic. I mean, it's iconic. They do it again in 92. It's got the art, art you know, drawn versions of all the wrestlers walking through the alley. It's awesome. Uh, a point for Savage chasing the title. He's coming at Warrior and Slaughter. He's made that clear. A point for Boss Man continuing to march through the Heenan family. A point for Mountie debuting with his vignettes leading up to the show. A point for DiBiase and Virgil's tensions begin, uh, building as DiBiase uh, ramps up his abuse. A point for the Valentine-Jimmy Hart split coming. They've been having issues on TV. They actually would finally, they kind of tease it here, and then they really officially split at MSG right after this. So that's really been building on TV a little bit. Greg Valentine finally going to have a face turn for the first time um, <laughs> on WF television. A point for Roberts and Martell and their blind man feud raging all winter. A point for Mr. Perfect back as IC champion, defeated the Texas Tornado in December on TV to win the IC belt back. And then a point for Hogan and Quake continuing to feud uh, leading up to this. So they'll fight on uh, the main event. Again, they've been fighting on the house shows up to Mania. So that feud takes us to the end of this show uh, where it kind of blows off officially on TV. But. All right. Uh, for our minuses, we've got the aimless tag opener. Uh, no stakes or feud involved. Uh, Could have been a little bit spicier uh, with something on the line or some kind of uh, blow off to a short TV feud. I uh, got Slaughter randomly named the number one contender. Uh, doesn't have any interactions with Warrior. 
um, after uh, after a hot start, you get the Rhodes family uh, limping into this blow off with DiBiase. Not even the focus of the match. Um, Dusty is really washed. Um, not a lot of stories or feuds set up for the Rumble match either. Nope. All right. So that's a total war score of four for the build. So solidly built show uh, for one that didn't have a ton of feuds permeating throughout the Rumble. Commentary, a point for Gorilla's fantastic calling of the world title match. Uh, a point for Gorilla and Piper strong in their disgust of Slaughter winning the title as well. A point for Piper being his key role in Virgil standing up to DiBiase. A point for uh, the really nice job with uh, ongoing hyping the long durations of guys all matched to show how impressive it is. Uh, Gorilla and Piper calling Brother Love a pat, fat piece of garbage and the king of cellulite. Um, and then the classic Gorilla Piper exchange, which did that actually happen here? Or was that on TV, the Tony Atlas? I thought it was on TV. I think I thought they did it. Uh, I thought they did it here. I'll have to look back. We'll give it a point it anyway because it's iconic in the build. But okay. Gorilla saying it's Sava Simmer and Piper saying that's Tony Atlas because <laughs> I thought it was with Vince. I think it was his debut on TV. And it's okay. with Vince, I think, not Gorilla. Um, we're going to leave the plus, though, because it's ridiculous enough to be <laughs> worth it. Um, and it's only Saba Sim's only pay-per-view appearance. So, uh, all right, what do you have for the, the minuses for commentary? All right, we got uh, Piper's ongoing obsession with the Iraq War. Nobody loves this war, this war more than Piper. He <laughs> is all in on the Iraq War. He talks about it nonstop for three straight pay-per-views. And I'm sure there's a fourth in there somewhere coming. But for three straight pay-per-views, he is obsessed with the Iraq war. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's still going on at SummerSlam 91. Uh, Piper says the, uh, Orin express were uh, gnawing on raw fish before their match. Uh, that's not so good. Piper with the Gomer stuff all night. Uh, gorilla keeps calling every mounted control hold as if it's his finisher, because we have no idea, uh, which one is his finisher. Uh, Piper says Mountie is goose stepping Piper's, uh, just got like weird, uh, rhymes and riddles all night. And all throughout the Rumble match, uh, Gorilla and Piper going insane uh, with the jingoism uh, when Hogan celebrates after the Royal Rumble. All right, so that is uh, minus one with that. And yeah, there's a lot of up and down through here. Um, I love Gorilla just not knowing Mounty's finisher, <laughs> just assuming every. <laughs> they were going nine minutes. I think he's just assuming every everyone. And the Piper's rhymes and riddles throughout the Rumble is very odd. He's like, you know, I'm here to beat you with a shoe. And <laughs> like, I don't know, like uh, he says it for when Roma comes out. Like he just keeps doing weird like poems for every wrestler. It's very odd. Um, throughout Romeo, the Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Yeah, it's, it's like there's some really weird stuff throughout from him i think he's just whatever gotta kill an hour that he hasn't had to do before so it just goes kind of crazy so minus one for commentary atmosphere though is where the show really starts to make hay um mm. it's a great crowd i think it's an underrated crowd 1991 is a calendar year has some awesome pay-per-view crowds uh that doesn't get talked about probably enough like this one wrestlemania is great SummerSlam and msg is great Survivor series is, is pretty pretty good too so like it's it's a kind of an underrated crowd year uh, here's the pluses. The classic purple and yellow Rumble logo and branding for uh, a point for atmosphere. Big pop for the Rockers. A point for Warriors paint and jackets. Really cool look. He's got the USA paint. He's got the red, white, and blue jacket with the Warrior symbol. That looks really cool. Um, uh, the crowd reaction during Sherry's seduction of Warrior is perfect. Uh, you know, they're just like losing it <laughs> throughout all of it. Um, and then the kids like as well in the audience, like, I will, well, I want to talk about this. We'll get to, we'll get to <laughs> yes. at some point. I think there's a point where we really we'll focus on it, but it deserves its own section. A uh, point for the nuclear pop for the big boss, man. 
Uh, a point for the crowd being red hot for the warrior, uh, destroying Savage and tearing the flag. A point for the massive pop when Virgil turns on DiBiase. Uh, the crowd losing their shit when Jake beats the shit out of Martel in the Rumble. A point for the crowd being into all the big face stars all throughout the Rumble match. A point for the mega pop in the uh, really fun moment where the kid yells, it's Hulk Hogan, as he pops out of the curtain right before he shows up. Um, and then a point for when Bulldog uh, eliminates Martel to end his night is like really big when he knocks him off the top rope. And then a point for Hogan winning. So the crowd was there all night, uh, super into this show. Yeah, for the Monsters, we've only got two. Uh, that is uh, the crowd a little bit dead following uh, Slaughter's title win. And then the um, uh, crowd a little dead for Coco's act. Uh, you know, he's definitely in a uh, jobber to the Stars territory. Um, but that gives us a war of 10 for Atmosphere. All right. Very strong. Like I said, I mean, it's a great crowd and great moments and great presentation overall. So, um, all right. Uh, notable moments. Here we go. A lot going on here too. Uh, pay-per-view debuts. Uh, usually we give a max of three for all these. We have the New Orient Express. We have Shane Douglas, Tony Atlas, the Mountie, uh, Dustin Rhodes, Brian Nobbs. So, uh, max of three there. Uh, I guess we'll talk about it now. It's a very notable moment. So, oh boy. Uh, out comes Sensational Queen Sherry to talk to uh, Sean Mooney or Gene. I forget. I think uh, it's Gene. Gene. Right? It's yeah. Gene so, yeah. Mooney's in the back with uh with savage so she's begging warrior to come out so she can ask him a, a question uh savage is watching backstage with sean mooney on the monitor sherry starts to very outwardly i would say the most outwardly seduction on wf television pre-attitude era uh is fondling his hair talking about how she admires him slides his coat off his shoulders rubs his chest uh is really laying it on very heavy about what she'll do for him if he'll give Savage a title match. Drops to, to the her point knees. where she then drops to her knees and pretty much says, I will blow you if you give Savage this title shot. Um, Hands on the thighs. Yeah, I mean it's it's overt. Like, and there's kids in the crowd watching um very directly at this moment. I mean, I me as a kid, I'm sitting on the couch, I'm 10 watching this, right? Uh so it's it's pretty crazy. It's it's nuts that this I'm back. Uh it's nuts that this is out there. Uh just for anyone to see, like all these children. Uh so she's, you know, playing it up, and then Warrior the incel that he is <laughs> leans down in Sherry's face and no! um, Savage loses, <laughs> loses his shit backstage. He oh, said no! He said no! He comes storming out to Sherry. Warriors long gone. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's an all-time moment. I mean, it's it, it's worth, you know, it's worth the point for sure. Um, it's it's insane. I, I think it's fucking insane. It's, it's still mind-blowing to me that they did this on a 1991 pay-per-view it's still i think like the most sexual thing that they've done i don't think it's been touched as far as like the um, the intent and like the just like it's pretty raw it, it is pretty raw like it's not raunchy and i think that's like why this kind of like is an eternal segment because it, it's not raunchy but it is like it's very heavy. I think that's yeah. the best word to describe it. It's it's yeah. very heavy. Um, 
I love the reaction from the crowd. Like you see the kids are like what is puzzled. You see the men in the background. Like there's just this guttural like roar. <laughs> I don't think I picked up as a kid of what it was like the blowjob part. I think I just saw she was bagging him probably. So I think a lot of kids probably were along that line, you know. Um, yeah. Even to like complete it, like Sherry's not like still like not completely done up for the night. Warrior comes out. He's in the jacket. Like that. That's like another key to this. Is like it kind of helps it feel impromptu. Um, yeah, and then of course Savage, the sprint he makes from the locker room, enters in from the back of the crowd. Um, it runs up to the set, and he shoots up there before anybody realizes like who it is or where he came from. Yep. Um, and he just misses Warrior. It's it's an insane segment. It's so well done. Um. And yeah. I think it definitely helps uh, going into WrestleMania seven, which we'll talk about um, with the build. Um, it's, it's been on fire so far. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's, it's just an iconic scene. So it's just nuts. Um, all right. So a point for that, a point for Savage costing warrior, the world title, a point for slaughter, winning the world title, a point for this being the first world title match ever to Royal rumble. So that's a big moment. Uh, we went the max three on Virgil turning on DiBiase. It's an all timer. Yeah, it really um, is worth the payoff the payoff to the build is great um a point for martel setting the all-time record with a classic performance he eliminates jake to set up mania um we give it three for that i mean that's 50 minutes it's the record at this point it's and it holds up he's awesome in the match like he's fantastic it's not like he just lays on the ground like some guys do later he's active the whole time so he's tremendous uh, a point for undertaker making his rumble match uh debut uh throws out some big names a point for the british bulldog making his return a point for hulk hogan winning the royal rumble and then a point for luke setting the record for the shortest rumble appearance that was a, a clip they'd show a million times he marches in earthquake grabs him throws him right out and he marches away <laughs> um so a pretty so a lot of moments it's a super memorable show for sure whacked his way in whacked his way out mm. um for the minuses, we've got a Warriors title reign ending with a thud after uh, such a soft run with the title. We've got uh, w uh, Dusty's WWF run uh, ending pretty pathetically, uh, ends on a whimper. Uh, and he's definitely an afterthought to the DiBiase and Virgil stuff. Uh, Warlord, unfortunately, uh, my guy is uh, pathetic as a Royal Rumble entrant. <laughs> he's always in late and he's always out quick. Oh, God. Um, so pathetic. Yeah, it's another bad show one for, uh, for my guy. But... Uh, that does grade out to a 14. So really piling on the points in the last two categories with atmosphere and now noticeable moments and importance. All right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, 14 is huge. <laughs> that's a big number. So mm -hmm. atmosphere and, and moments, right. Carrying this thing, 10 and 14, big numbers. All right. Uh, two, seven, five for matches. We talked about that. Let's talk card structure. We start hot. We start with a hot tag match. is a great way to kick the show off. Um, you know, show long through line with Savage chasing for the world title, pissing off Warrior, <coughs> missing the Royal Rumble match as a result. Uh, a point for the classic Rumble pre-match promos. Everyone feels important. A point for starting the Rumble with a workhorse at a heart showcase uh, for the upcoming solo push. A point for closing the Rumble with Hogan and Earthquake as well. Um, yeah, they fight in the main event in the in the tag match, and they fight on the... Uh, um, Actually, you know, you know what? They had already done the Saturday's main event tag match, I think, right? I think the main event is Hogan and uh, maybe it is that. I forget. Anyway, they're in there somewhere. Uh, but for the most part, this is the end of the feud. They, they fight on the house shows for a little bit longer, but on TV, it's pretty much done. Um, and then uh, that's it for the positive. So what do you have for the negatives for card structure? 
Uh, for the negatives, I've got uh, random placement for uh, Warrior and Slaughter on the card. Uh, it's really indicative of Warrior's title reign. Uh, he really does start to feel like just a guy. Definitely not in the same category as Hulk Hogan, uh, even as far back as SummerSlam. Uh, could have used another title match on the card and structured uh, a little bit clearer. We got the Mountie bringing down the show uh, with his offense. Um, doesn't help the crowd recover from uh, the title chain shock. Too much dead weight hanging on uh, throughout the Rumble. Mm-hmm. And uh, accomplishes very little. Hercules, Tito, Valentine, Douglas, Crush. Uh, Perfect gets eliminated without a big spot. Uh, I felt like there was a couple of those like eliminations that were yeah. uh, missed or, or not well built up to. Um, so that grades us out to a wash. That is a zero. Yeah, it's it's definitely a card that could have used one more. Like I, I think perfect in the match. Like you you want him in there because it means a lot. But I think an IC title match maybe on the undercard here could have could have helped a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of a weird show setup wise. Even though it's it, it's it fits the structure of a rumble card of this era. It just feels like that that structure maybe is starting to get played just a little bit. Um, they needed something to juice it for sure. All right. Rewatchability. Um, a point for the classic Vince narrated intro, of course, iconic, a point for the finish of rockers and Orient express, which is great. It's one of those ones you got to watch it over and over just to understand it. Like it is the way they do it. Like it's so crazy looking. It's hard to think it through um, a point for warrior in a, one of my favorite lines in one of his promos uh, talking about slaughter says the only ones that would follow you are those that are demented. <laughs> so, the phrasing is so weird. It's just demented. It's such an odd, odd choice for words for who would follow slaughter. Um, a point for warrior nearly killing Sherry with that massive press slam. This hawks her out towards Savage. She flies over him. Um, it'll look great because she has that big black flowing dress on uh, and he just sends her flying. Um, a point for Luke's elimination, which is always rewatchable. It's really funny. And then a point for Virgil turning on DiBiase. That's such a good moment. Uh, for our minuses, uh, we are going to give uh, one ding to uh, Sherry uh, sexually propositioning uh, Ultimate Warrior. Uh, it's awkward. It's long. Um, it feels like something off a uh, you know milf and uh, it was like it was like it was like Stifler's mom, you know, or uh, or uh, something out of American Pie for sure. Yeah, it was uh, Cinemax level. I mean, I, I meant to say that earlier. It was like it's literally like a Cinemax scene. Is, is the way they play it. It's simulated. It's like ha- you know ham acting. It's it's very odd. <laughs> very odd. <laughs> uh, Slaughter acting like he won when the ref breaks the camel clutch. <laughs> Does it, your favorite spot? <laughs> Jumping up and down. Uh, it's such a contrived spot. Um, uh, he always thinks he won where he clearly didn't. And then uh, we got uh, awkward fan videos talking about uh, the troops sending their well wishes and all that good stuff. Yeah, that was odd. It was, you know, I don't know. Like you're asking some 17-year-old or 15-year-old kid or whatever about the troops coming home and what the show we'll means. We'll win the like, war and come back home. Yeah, bring all our boys back home. Like it was just, it was so 1991. <laughs> like it was just, whatever. Something you'd never get today, obviously. Uh, all right, so that's a plus two for watchability. No all-time matches either way. And that brings us to a very strong war score, Marcus, of 31.75. Did this surprise you? I'm going to say no. It it kind of delivered where I thought just because of, like, the Sherry and Savage um, and Warrior through line throughout the whole night, the great angles. um, it's, It's got the classic Royal Rumble nostalgia with the interviews and the Vince intro um again it's another very like 
Hasbro feeling show um, with all like the ring attires and guys are looking good and everybody's tan and ripped. Um, it just, it, it, it feels, it feels like good. And the rumble itself, like, again, it's a little flavorless, but it's not bad. I, I would say. Um, See, that's why I didn't think it was going to finish well. Maybe this now into the Rumble also burned in my brain from watching it so many times. Like, I was thinking, like, all right, well, nothing happens in the Rumble. Um, yeah, it's got the world title change. But then, yeah, stuff just starts adding up, and, and it kind of overlooked the crowd piece of it, too. Um, I think it's a show that the um, some of the parts, right, the whole is greater than the parts, whatever that <laughs> – I can never get that one right. Um, whatever that saying is. I think it's one that – absolutely benefits from our system like i would i would mm. say that's absolutely the case i think um it's not a great in-ring show outside of the opener you know and bossman barbarians mileage may vary i think it's a lower tier rumble match um but i think it, it is sneakily loaded with moments and a great crowd and it's well built so i think that in our format helps it quite a bit i, I think you know if you were just if i went back to like when aaron and i and Noel's bard ranked every rumble i would assume it's very low like as a show um but there's a lot of stuff just that, that ticks our boxes. So that puts it at 12th all time for us. Um, right. Just a quarter quarter point behind Rumble 16. Um, a little above Fast Lane 2019. Um, about two points behind WrestleMania 21. And that puts it right outside the top 10. WrestleMania 21 is our 10th show. So, yeah, I mean, this season is delivering so far, man. Like, SummerSlam 90 is our second best show, and Rumble 91 is our 12th best show. And I have a feeling WrestleMania will finish high as well. I mean, it's a great yeah, mania. We'll so this, this low-key has a chance to probably be our best season when you look at like composite overall grades and ranks. I mean, I don't think any other season has three shows in the top top 12, which just likely will. I mean, we haven't looked at Mania yet, but I'm guessing it's going to be going to be in there. So Yeah, the question isn't if, if it's going to be high. It's going to be how high. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's going to grade out really well. So, like, oh, the 0102 but... season has three. Um, SummerSlam 01, Rumble 02, and WrestleMania 18. So, I guess we'll have a couple, but that actually has three inside the top seven. So, that's that's probably our best season. But it also has a lot of the back end. And this one's going to have the hit rate of three out of four, you know, being very strong. So, um, all right. You want to run through the rest of our top 10? I already said number 10 is uh, WrestleMania 21 at 33 and a half. Uh, there we go. Uh, SummerSlam 2015 comes in at number nine with 35.25. Number eight, Royal Rumble 05, 36 and a half. And number seven is WrestleMania 18 with a 36.75. Number six, Evolution 2018 with 38. Into our top five, uh, SummerSlam 1999 with a 38.25. Number four, SummerSlam 1992, 38.25, tied. Gets the tiebreaker with the best match. Uh, number three, SummerSlam 2001 with a 39. Number two, SummerSlam 1990 with a 42. And our number one overall show, as of date, Royal Rumble 2002 with a war of 44. So that's the mark. Do you think WrestleMania 7 has a chance? I do think it has a chance. I do think it has a chance. I think there's so many moments, some great matches, an awesome crowd, great atmosphere. It's well built. Um, I think one thing that could drag it, I'm guessing, is some of the, like the bloated card. It's a lot of meaningless matches, but we'll see. Um, just to give you a feeling for the spread, our number one show is 44 points. Our last show is Greatest Royal Rumble. 
2018 at negative 17.25. So uh, the spread overall is about 60-ish in between our best and worst shows right now. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, next episode, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll finish this season already with WrestleMania 7. We'll do our uh, season-ending awards that we always do. And then a month from today, we'll already be on our next season, which is crazy. Uh, we're plowing ahead here on WWE War. Check out everything we have to offer North South Connection. Follow us here on YouTube. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Leave a share. Can't leave a share, but share it. Uh, follow us on all podcast applications as well. Make sure you capture everything we have to offer. Follow us on social media. You'll never miss a thing. Live your life above replacement level. Talk to you next